Mi chiamo Gosia. Vengo da Varsavia, ma vivo a Londra. Parlo italiano. State ascoltando il Fluent Show. Welcome to the Fluent Show, a podcast all about loving, living and learning languages. My name is Kirsten Cable from fluentlanguage.co.uk and here on this show we talk about anything and everything interesting from the world of learning another language. Hello, hello everyone. As you know, every other week I take a little bit of time to answer a listener question and today's question comes from Stephen. Hey Stephen, uh, Irish listener of the show, long-term listener and often gets in touch. And Stephen has asked a question that is about dealing with learning similar languages. So for example, languages like Spanish and Portuguese. Why are they so similar? What's going on there? And what are the best tips for learning those languages? So we'll go into that in today's episode. And before I do that, of course, I have got my announcements. I've got a big group of people to thank, very close to my heart, and they are the Patreon supporters of The Fluent Show. If you are a supporter, thank you so much for supporting this show, for being a patron of The Fluent Show, patron of the arts. Without you, we can't make as good a show. So The Fluent Show really is grateful to its patrons. And if you are interested in what it takes and how you can become a patron, hop over to patreon.com slash Fluent Show and all will be revealed. The Fluent Show is supported as well by Link. That's L-I-N-G-Q. Link has not been founded by two college dropouts with a big idea, like so many other podcast sponsors. If you listen to other podcasts, isn't that always the story? They're these two guys, they dropped out of college and then they bought a factory in Germany. Now, there is no Link factory in Germany. Link has got someone very special behind it, the brain, the abilities, the influence of famous polyglot Steve Kaufman. Steve himself speaks 17 languages and he loves learning new ones. There's an interview with Steve coming up here on the show soon. There is nothing nowhere, he says, and I believe him and I agree, that is more effective than working with materials that you can understand and that you actually enjoy in your target language. And that could be dialogues, that could be blogs, that could be podcasts, it could be the news, it could be music, song lyrics, it doesn't matter. Link is like amazing software, magical software that makes almost everything in your target language accessible for you. And they've got a huge library of content as well. So head over to Link, you will be so surprised. Stop listening to textbook dialogues that talk about you and your business associate would like to further your business association. Just let's stuff all that and start to enjoy the things that you actually want to hear about. Here's how it works. You read and you listen to the content that you love that is available to you right over at Link. Then you learn new words and phrases and the system puts them into flashcards for you. Thank you very much. Number three, you track your progress. And number four, you enjoy. This is important. You've got to enjoy 
what you are consuming in your target language. And that's at the heart of Link's philosophy. They are offering you as a Fluent Show listener 35% off selected premium plans. What a deal when you get your subscription through this link. Fluentlanguage.co.uk slash read more. You don't even need a discount code. Just make sure you sign up by using fluentlanguage.co.uk slash read more. Or if you're already a link user and you want to upgrade and see what a premium plan can do for you, head over to that link as well and you will get a special discount. Thank you so much to Link for supporting the Fluent Show. I'm so glad to have them on board. They are useful. I've used Link myself and I love recommending things that I actually use. Now let's get to these similar languages. Similar languages in the way that Stephen has asked the question. I took it to mean what most of us will understand by it, which usually refers to a linguistic similarity, meaning the languages belong to the same language families. Within language families, there are different branches, which once again describe how closely related two languages are. For an example of two very closely related languages, consider Spanish and Portuguese. They have developed in close contact with each other out there on the Iberian Peninsula and they're from the same language family brought by the Romans, I guess. So it's a family of Romance languages. But in that family, you'll also find French and you'll also find Romanian. They're a bit different, yet you will see a lot of relationships. So when two languages belong to a language family, that tells you that they are likely to be very similar. But bear in mind that within that family, the relations kind of diverge. And I want to go into language families a little bit more today. I think of it a little like a family tree. So my cousin has less in common with me than my brother. Believe it or not, my brother and I look alike a lot more. My cousin and I, you kind of have to look and sort of cross your eyes and see see what happens. <laughs> now, for a quick check of which languages are related to each other... I like to look at the really, really common vocab. And by that, I mean numbers, weekdays and months. Usually similar languages have got a similar worldview. They describe the world in similar ways. And you can see the numbers, the weekdays and the months. That tends to be very similar vocab in that area. And it gives you a hint. Chinese kind of tripped me up a little bit here because it calls its weekdays week one, week two, week three, and so on. But that alone tells you something. Whereas here in, in the European languages, we often refer to the weekdays after gods in our own system of belief, right? So a gods or planets, they kind of come up. Already this tells you how similar, not just the languages, but also the cultures are, the people are, how close they are to each other. Now, if you want to find your target language's family members, I would recommend using Omniglot. Really, really great resource. And in Omniglot, you do the following. You would search for a language, for example, let's say Italian. And then you look under linguistic affiliation. That's the words you're looking for, linguistic affiliation. And it says something like this, Indo-European, Italic, Romance, Western, Italo-Dalmatian. And what that is, it, it goes through the family branches. So Italian is an Italo-Dalmatian language from Western Romance languages, which are obviously parts of the Romance languages. And those are parts of the Italic and those are parts from the Indo-European branch. 
whew. So <laughs> that kind of tells you that. We're really only interested in the romance part here. So then you can also scroll all the way to the bottom, looking any language up on omniglot.com. Scroll down to see all the romance languages listed. So you might think about three or four when this name comes up. But what you can see here that in this family of the romance languages, there are over 40 languages. Woo! Kudos to you if you've learned more than 10, huh? And I've also got a resource here that I want to tell you about. And we're going to talk, I'll talk you through a little journey through language families and kind of looking at it from the top down. So what we've just talked about is looking at an individual language and finding its family. But what if you want to find out more about a language family? A great website for that is Glottolog. So I'll put that in the show notes as well. And over on Glottolog, you will learn about a language family or a root family, sort of a, a really big family. And it tells you about the child languages and you can have a really nice sort of journey down through the child languages and it takes you through the geography and shows you where these languages are spoken. It is fascinating. So I'll talk you through me doing that for one specific language and we'll go through the whole family. The language family, the big family, region, area, I have chosen was Atlantic Congo. Atlantic Congo's language family has got 1,432 child languages. Indo-European actually only counts 589 child languages. So the biggest, you know, for your next pub quiz, the biggest language family on earth that we know about is Atlantic Congo. In that family, the biggest subfamily is Volta Congo. And within that, you've got Benue Congo, and that is 987 families, so still loads more than Indo-European. We'll go down one more level, and then we're, you know, we're, we're, I mean, it says Congo, so you already sort of get an idea, okay, we're, we're somewhere we're somewhere on the African continent. We are not all the way at the bottom, we're not all the way at the top. Now, let the next levels down are Bentoid, which is the biggest group, and then Southern Bentoid. Then we're going to Narrow Bantu. East Bantu, you know, you know for sure where we are in the world now, and we're zooming in on that map. And let's go to Northeast Savannah Bantu, the biggest subfamily within that subfamily, subfamily nest. And there's still a solid 32 languages in that family. These are way more similar now to each other than, for example, Bantu and Wolof, even though they're in the same big family. Whew, that's geography and linguistics at work. I find it fascinating. You ready to go deeper? Shall we find out what's in that box of northeast Savannah Bantu? Geography again. So we're going for northeast coastal Bantu. Then coastal northeast central Bantu. Whew. And finally, we're at a family branch. Core, a nuclear family of only six languages. And you know what's in there? It's called Sabaki Swahili. And through a few more branches, there is the child. There is the child language called Swahili are spoken, for example, in Tanzania. So Swahili there, when, you know, you can go up from Swahili or you could go all the way down to the family and find related languages. It is in the Bentoid language family. It is one of the Northeast Savannah Bantu languages. Knowing this about Swahili helps us locate the family on the globe, make choices about whether we want to study it with its similar languages, make choices about what to study. 
consider who in the world might understand some of this language and even make decisions about other languages that we want to bring in and study at the same time or whether we want to go out and learn that. Plus, it's just fun. So Omniglot and Glottolog, they are your language family resources for this podcast. I also wanted to mention that geopolitics can play a massive role here. So, so far, we've only really talked about the linguistics. How related are these languages? How similar are these words? Have they evolved from each other? And so on. But different languages and dialects, dun dun dun, klaxon, are not always counted as a different language because of linguistic factors. Politics and identity matter an awful lot. For example, we're thinking about the Balkan area, where geopolitics has changed so much over the years that now there are languages that never really existed before, but they're not linguistically born. A border was drawn and people said, no, our identity is this, and this thing that maybe used to call a dialect, we, we consider this our language. So the language dialect transitions are fluid, they are determined by people, they're often arbitrary and not linguistics. Bear that in mind. This doesn't really affect for you as a learner, how hard a language is to study. But be aware that, you know, the, the speakers might have ideas and sometimes you might have to tread carefully with saying, oh, this language is like that language. And then they look at you like, we have nothing to do with those people. So just be aware. Similar languages are usually linguistic family friends, but geography matters too. Contact of the speakers of one language can be impacted by contact with speakers of another language, especially if one language is particularly dominant over the other one, or if one language has been imposed, if there's been oppression in the past, etc. So you might see indigenous languages picking up lots of words, etc. from, let's call them conqueror <laughs> languages. For example, here are a few Welsh words. Driving in Welsh, you can say as drivio. Question in Welsh is question. And liking something in Welsh, you can say as likio. So you're looking at a Celtic language and a Germanic language, which wouldn't really have a lot of vocab in common from a linguistic point of view in terms of evolution, but it's just the contact of the speakers and the world the speakers live in that then starts to build a few similarities. Not all families, by the way, in the same family are mutually intelligible. For example, in the in the Chinese family of languages, we have we can see geography almost over linguistics in that in that family when we go into, say, uh, various different dialects and on a practical notes this affects as well where you can find speakers of that language so it's very interesting to kind of keep an eye on the family of the language that you are learning it will make you so much more linguistically aware now let's go into go into the practicalities here why is it very common that we see similar languages taught together or studied together? They have lots and lots in common, obviously. And the key here is something called intercomprehension. Intercomprehension is when learning similar languages together gives you a boost learning those languages because they have so much in common that you have less work to do as the learner. And who wouldn't like that? 
So if you want to take advantage of intercomprehension and learn essentially, get, get yourself a, a two-for-one deal, three-for-one, seven-for-one deal, you can learn similar languages together. Things that they tend to have in common that you don't have to do twice are the writing system and the alphabet. Say you're a learner of German or French or Italian and you're a native English speaker, Ta-da! you don't have to learn a new writing system. You don't really have to learn a new alphabet. It's all there for you. So already we're taking advantage of this intercomprehension, learning a language in the same family. Then there are the grammatical structures and things like endings and verb, kind of how the verbs work or how the nouns work, etc. Those are similar in languages that belong to the same language family. And then there is the vocabulary. So there are cognates and cognates are words that you can recognize from one language that you are learning simply because they are so similar to a language that you already know for example here the word for monday like i said earlier the words of the week in in the west seem to be named after after planets very common or monday uh, named after the moon so in french you've got lundi the moon, luna, la luna, um, la lune, lundi. In Welsh, it's somehow come over, right? So we've got the Celts, we've got the Gaelic kind of connection, and it's called dichlin, dichlin. So that's, again, mundane, it's got the moon in there. And then there is lunedi in Italian and in Spanish. It's very, very similar kind of moves so you get those languages that you just need to look at the weekday and you kind of know already like this doesn't mean Saturday. Another thing that is also easier when you've got these languages we talked about the intercomprehension and then there are the practical notes of where you live who speaks those different languages around you and how those languages have influenced each other. When you are making that decision about whether you might want to study similar languages together or even you say you want to study Italian and you know you might want to study Spanish at some point later and you're considering picking them up together, here are, here are some factors that will influence that decision. Number one, your personal desire for efficiency. By that I mean how quickly you want to reach your goal. And obviously the next question there is, what's your goal? What's your goal? Do you want to become... For a polyglot, do you want to become multilingual? Do you want to learn many, many languages? Then, yeah, go for it. Do more than one. Do Spanish, Italian and Portuguese together because you will pick up more languages. Maybe you're just interested in the romance fam family. You've got this collector's drive to kind of conquer them all, you know, like a <laughs> like Pokemon. Do it. Do it. it. The intercomprehension will serve you so, so well if that's what you're after. If you want to become functional in those languages and really this is about I want to function and when I travel I want to be able to to do things I would say try more than one especially if you've got a little bit more time because getting functional in a language obviously functional it, it depends on your understanding functional doesn't mean perfect it doesn't mean fluent if you want to function in a language that doesn't take that long so you might as well you might as well pick up some some benefits some bonuses get functional in three why not do you want to become a speaker, a fluent speaker, really advanced in just one of these languages? And you've got a big goal there. Say you've got family and there's a special thing that sets this language apart for you from all the others. Then you know what? Focus. Focus on it for now. 
don't worry too much about, oh, what am I missing? And almost get yourself, I don't know, linguistic FOMO. It's not worth it because intercomprehension, all of these advantages, they will still be there. They, the languages don't change that much. And if you want to pick up a language in that family later, it'll still be so much easier for you. Your own linguistic curiosity and your own desires and goals are what affect that decision most of all. It might also be helpful to look for materials to help you because there are lots of language learning materials now that are designed for Germanic languages, for Romance languages. So you can get parallel tutorials, you can get shared textbooks, etc. The um, I know Stephen, our question asker, is a learner of various Balkan languages in the in the let's call it family or group of Bosnian, Croatian and Serbian, which are very, very, very similar from what I understand. And there is that geopolitical element at play with those particular languages. You can buy yourself a book that teaches you Bosnian, Serbian and Croatian. So you don't have to learn languages together. Even learning them consecutively can help you massively. My own story in, in terms of languages within the same family is that I started my first romance language when I was about 13, 12, 13. That was French. Then later I picked up Italian, dropped Italian, started learning Latin. Latin at that point was a little bit easier because I already recognized vocab from Italian. And then Latin, it was sort of, I finished school, left school, started going into a different education branch, different area of education where I had the opportunity to learn Spanish. And I have to say at that point, I had been doing French for, I think, five years. I had been learning, obviously, Italian and Latin a little bit. I found Spanish very easy to acquire at that point. I did not set out when I learned French. I didn't think about what family French is in. Honestly, I was like, I, I didn't think about that at all. But the benefits of learning a language from the same family, even five years later, absolutely stood solid. So don't worry if you don't do them all at once right now. There are a few drawbacks to learning a few languages together. And that those, especially when there is the intercomprehension aspect, here they are. Number one, learning several languages together doesn't mean that you're going to remember everything in all of the languages. Number two, and the biggest problem really, is this idea of interference. Interference means when you want to say something in Italian, you say it in Portuguese. When you want to say something in French, you say it in Latin. When you want to say something, I don't know, in Danish, you say it in Swedish and so on and so forth. This is called interference and it can be very frustrating and it can make you feel like it, the, the similar language advantage is, is turning against you. And I have another Fluent Show episode, that is episode 144, where I go into interference and learning languages that you've forgotten. So I would recommend you check out that one. So it can really be frustrating. If you're just doing it because you think you should and you don't care as much about the other languages, then I really think, why would you make yourself work harder? I'm going to leave you with a few final tips about learning similar languages together. Number one, be clear about your reason why you're learning the language with each one of those languages so that if things get difficult, if you get frustrated, you have got the option of saying, this is what I came for. Talked about this a lot, that this is what I came for is an important consideration that has to stay in your mind. 
Number two, set yourself different goals for different languages if that feel right, feels right. For example, you might have friends who are Swedish speaker, you have speakers, you want to be great at Swedish. You're sort of picking up a bit of Norwegian out of curiosity, but there isn't really the burning imperative. If Norwegian starts to drag you down, starts to feel like, you know, you, you're not good a language learner because you, you can't grasp Norwegian as quick as Swedish. That's when you want to go, you want to have the opportunity to revisit that goal. Try out different languages within a family. Do give it a try. Maybe even start with a whole family. It's all open to you. And then finally, work as much as possible with what's parallel in those languages. And that means focusing on vocab and looking for the cognates, maybe Googling around for cognate lists. They do exist. Wikipedia is a great resource there. And even English and German, you wouldn't think it, but they've got lots of cognates. And then look for the grammar and, and you know, study that grammar. When you're, when you're doing the past tense in one language, do the past tense in the other one as well, because they tend to be not very different. This is really easily done by reading in those languages. languages. Let me point you towards our sponsor link there for a second as well, fluentlanguage.co.uk slash read more. And also parallel texts. Parallel texts are your friend for doing all of this. There's lots and lots of options out there. I would encourage you to just be curious, follow your own curiosity. And if you want to do two languages at once, do it. And I encourage you as well, kind of as a little challenge this week, have a look on Glottolog and Omniglot and find out something that you didn't know about the family of the language that you are learning right now. Something will be there and you will be surprised. It's going to be lots of fun. Thank you for listening to The Fluent Show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting the show by leaving a review in your podcast app or even becoming a member of our Patreon community where our support perks include a secret feed full of added show notes and a VIP option where you can get priority answers to your listener questions on the podcast. Don't forget that you can send us your language questions and feedback to hello at fluentlanguage.co.uk or find us on Twitter at The Fluent Show or Instagram, hashtag The Fluent Show. We're always so excited to hear from you and read every message and review. See you next week.